What's up, Redhead Racing Radio? I'm Jason Schultz, and I'm back. I know you've missed me. It's been a while. We've been very busy here. But joining me, it's not Andrew Krillin again, because he's too busy doing... I, don't, I really don't know what he's doing. Tweet him and ask him. But producer Ben Walton's back on the pod. What's up, Ben? Hey, Jason Schultz. Not to be confused with your Twitter at. Uh, Ben's in Internet Clutch Studios. Did everybody know that? Whoa, we're Clap just going to jump right ben. into it. Yeah. Round of applause. Ben is a very promising young content mind in the world of NASCAR. Um, and our producer, so clearly he's smart. Thank you, recruiting analyst Jason Schultz. Also. Also my roommate, so he's paid to say good things. Yes, and we're in separate rooms this time. We are not face to face like our last therapy session. Are you afraid to that episode? Club you with my golf club? Um, I'm not worried as much about it. I'm I'm more worried about the couch. Why? Well, okay. So when you have to watch the the ALCS with a guy that's a Red Sox fan, if any of you baseball fans out there, you probably know why. Jason Schultz likes to beat the couch with his putter to express his anger. And we've been working on different avenues on how to deal with that stress. And um, so far, the couch has taken they a lot of They made me so angry. They were doing so good, and they started losing. How else am I supposed to take it out? Um, there's actually a lot of different ways. Well, you, you could drink. That's a good. That's a good way to do it. That always. Yeah. Hey Ben, the Red Sox haven't been in the World Series in three years. You know how long that's been? Yeah, almost as long as the Patriots are going to be in their next Super Bowl. Three years? You think they'll be in the Super Bowl? Uh, it'll be at least. It'll be at that. least three. It'll be at least three. All right. So we're back this week. Ben's been very busy. I've been very busy. Andrew's been very busy, but. The something happened this weekend that made me yearn. Is that a word? That's probably uh, a word. Um, it is, but it's, all right. Wrong may, context. Yeah, wrong context. I think like okay. it's sim- a similar context, but not right usage. It made me want to record a podcast so badly because I have so much to say about this topic, and you can only tweet the same thing multiple times about content, right? Right. You haven't listened to DBC Doorbell Clear this week, have you? No, I haven't. That's my uh, tomorrow plan. Not a spoiler, but a spoiler. Brett leads off the show. When I talk, he's like, Jason, you know how many times you tweet the word content over the weekends? He's like, I should do, if I got paid every time you tweeted, I'd be a millionaire. I'm like, it's my favorite word. There's so content can cover so much. It's my life. It truly is. We're not the content corral for, no, for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Um, if you've been on tour this week, you probably are aware that the Formula One race was in Austin, Texas. Were you aware of that, Ben? Um, if I wasn't, then your Twitter feed certainly educated me. Yes, on that. you're welcome. And the NASCAR playoff race was at Kansas, and there was clear differences between the crowds at each race and the buzz and energy around each event. And I have been a proponent for um a while about drive to survive and its impact on F1 and how crazy awesome it is to see us growth because of a content series. We talked about that last time Ben was on the podcast. Cause I tweeted about that got over 500 likes and Denny Hamlin engaged with the content discussion regarding drive to survive. Cause I, I just feel very strongly about how powerful that show is and what great it's how great it's been for net uh, for F1. I did want to touch upon this real quick. I'll tell you how I got into F1, and it was because of Drive to Survive. I was 
you know, Ben, that like the anti NASCAR crowd, or sorry, the anti F1 crowd on Twitter today. Ah, uh, yes, that was for sure me two years ago. I was so against F1. I was, I didn't give it a chance. I didn't pay any attention to it, but I was so against it. I was like, NASCAR is way better, clear and above everything they do is way better than F1. And then I watched Drive to Survive. In my opinion, about everything changed, and seeing what they've accomplished in the u.s is so freaking impressive i can't get enough of it and my thing is i fell in love with nascar in its heyday around 2005 because it felt so big and important and a huge event and all that stuff and that's what f1 feels like today and i freaking love that um when did you start watching f1 um i don't really remember the specific age but i was probably right around like eight or nine like casually and then i really got into it probably like probably about eight years ago or so. Um, kind of once I was getting into high school, I had some friends that were into it just through friends I raced with. So they got me into it. I've always been a Lewis guy. So I was like, well, he's still kind of around and kind of one of the top guys. So, um, how did we not know you were a Lewis fan? You're in a max household. Uh, it's, it comes as I was in a Lewis household before way, way, way before I knew you guys. So that's just kind of how that works. Wow. Crazy. I'm not just a bandwagoner like you guys. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, hand up, bandwagon F1 fan. Yeah, but I love big, important events, and F1's big and important right now. Not that like it always has been, but you probably knew, could tell there was a lack of like hype around it. I, I kind of feel like it was one of those things where, um, even NASCAR kind of has this similar feel. It's like I knew some people that liked NASCAR just because obviously it's American. It's like, oh, I've maybe been to a race, or my dad watches it, but it's like. If you meet somebody at the time, maybe like a few years ago, I started to meet more people that liked F1 even before the Drivers 5, but like right early when I got into high school, if you knew somebody that like liked F1, you're like, whoa, like, how do you know? Weird it's like enough. this like secret yeah. club almost. Like NASCAR is like one thing, but like, it's like, if you don't NASCAR, it's like, okay, that's kind of like the bare minimum, I guess. But if you know F1, that's like insane. That's kind of how it was. Yeah. But now it's like, everybody knows it. Yeah, that secret cub was blown open in Austin, Texas this week. And so the contrast to and comparisons being made between F1 and NASCAR, I think, are completely accurate because NASCAR has taken a dive in its popularity over the last 15 years. And especially some of the things they've done recently just seem to go against the grain and what F1's doing to grow. NASCAR's been not doing and it's been declining. And I have been you know, I've been thinking about this all week, the difference between the two events, all that kind of stuff. And then two of the top media members in NASCAR, Jeff Gluck and Jenna Fryer wrote really powerful columns about the, what F one's doing right and what NASCAR is doing wrong. And they, I uh, told Jeff that was like my favorite column from a NASCAR reporter in the last like two years, because it was real. It was honest and it needed to be said. I think it really needed to be said. And so we had a fun story time last night where I read the article to you and our roommate Tyler, the non-athletic subscribers, which I think you should change because it's a very good website. Until you stop, you know, doing story time with us. Yes. I have to buy it myself. Yeah, story time. Story time was a lot of fun. I just read the article. We talked about the topics Jeff brought up. So I just want to reference some of them that he brought up and just discuss those a little bit. Cause I thought they were I'm not going to give away the article. You should go read it on the athletic.com. But 
our he brought up so many good points, like so many good points, and said a lot of truthful things that probably hurt NASCAR's feelings, but I think needed to be said. All right, so one of the main points made by a lot of people is that you saw via TV, whether you were there or not, a jam-packed 140,000 people at Circuit of the Americas in Austin for the F1 race. And then you would turn the TV to the Kansas race, you know, right after the F1 race, and you saw a sparsely crowd in the stands. Um, Jeff made note of this in his article where you could read where it says Kansas Speedway on the stands written on the seats. And it's like, if you can read that, you kind of know there's not that many people there. So just the idea that two events, two, a NASCAR event, F1 event, one attracted this massive crowd with a lot of energy and one, a playoff race didn't really uh, attract that many people to come because there wasn't much, you know, hype around it. And the argument, and I'll try to defeat this argument now that F1 has one race in America and U.S. has 36 or NASCAR has 36. My thing is, it's not about the attendance, the number that's striking. It's the hype and energy that was around the event. That's what's striking. NASCAR has that in maybe one event. The Daytona 500 seems to still have a lot of energy and hype around it. I can't name you another event that has similar big event feeling to it, hype around it, energy around it that just makes it feel electric and gets you excited for it. At least gets me excited for it. No, I would agree. Um, it, it brings, just seeing the amount of people like go to an event like that like i cannot tell you the last motorsports event maybe besides the daytona 500 when i was little and okay i guess the indy 500 but just yeah spread, spread across the track i know indy has the stands but just be able to like see all the spectators like in the not grandstand parts like up on the fences like through the hills like up on that like huge tower um it's just it's so insane just it's just fans everywhere it's just really cool yeah. to see the scene is really cool. So Jeff discusses how kind of like the F1 race has kind of been big always in Austin, but um, in the last three or four years, it's gotten bigger. The numbers have grown. Everything's gotten bigger. And it's all credited to really Drive to Survive. Americans watched Drive to Survive. They got into it. They started watching it. They started following the sport. It was an easy way to get introduced to this sport that many Americans weren't familiar with, but they watch a documentary series that captures drama, intensity, action, in a very concise manner and then it's like this is a sport go watch it it's a great introduction to the whole sport like i don't think i would have just started watching f1 races on their own but like learning the sport through the documentary series is so was so fascinating to do and so helpful when i went to start actually watching the races yeah it's a great introduction and uh getting you know the drivers and the faces and like the i think what they did too, like going to the first season, they kind of recap some of the drama with like those, I think the first year coming off of the Nico Lewis rivalry, or maybe it was like a couple of years yeah. afterwards, they recap that, which is a huge important step into kind of why they picked Botas to put, to go in the second car for Mercedes too. So I think that's yeah. a good way to kind of like get people into the mindset of like why Valtteri feels how he, is is because they like Mercedes wanted this like big change in the second seats and then kind of how this like next rivalry is really building up with like Seb for a little bit and now Max with Red Bull getting so much better. Good points. Rivalry is great. And F1's not trying to squash rivalries. Good sign too. NASCAR told Chase and Harvick to calm down when even though that could be a really, really helpful tactic to get people to tune into the racing. Um, Jeff made a really good comparison or just description of what F1 is. And I think what 
captures people's attention. He said the cars are blazing fast and badass. The technology is cutting edge and the personalities are engaging and interesting. I think all that stands in contrast to NASCAR. The cars are blazing fast. NASCAR has slowed their cars down. The badass factor. Maybe this next gen car is more badass, but the current car it just it does. I don't describe it badass. I wouldn't necessarily describe the F1 car as badass either, but they are fast and really impressive. The technology is cutting edge. I saw a point made on Twitter from someone that NASCAR seemed to shy away from going all in on technology in the last decade. They kind of try to keep some of their same technology in the cars, not really um, go to the edge where F1 is just like bringing all this new technology in. So the idea that it's cutting edge and it's like the next big thing and the next cool thing, that's really awesome. And then the biggest point of all that I completely agree with is the personalities are interesting and engaging. I think that's my number one critique of NASCAR at the moment that we went from these huge personalities to what we have now. And I feel like the personalities aren't engaging. They're not interesting. Some of them are. Kyle Busch is interesting. Chase Elliott is, he goes back and forth when he has rivalries with Kevin Harvick. Interesting. When he just kind of downplays everything else in his career, like not that interesting. If we had engaging personalities, I feel like that would do a world of difference for NASCAR to attract people because the F1 racing overall, it's not that great. It's like, it's, you kind of can predict what happens, but droves of people are going to Austin and following it and watching it and fewer numbers are going up like crazy. And it's because they engage the personalities with the fans away from the track and make, connect them, make them want to follow, pay attention. And then they bring them to the track and to the TV sets every Sunday or most Sundays to watch these personalities duel out because you get so invested in a person. That is, I think, so critical to any sports marketing strategy. You've got to connect the fan to the athlete. And those personalities and rivalry, rivalries are clashing for the win, for the championship, yeah. which is something I feel like NASCAR hasn't happened had in a while where they have two guys that have been at each other's throats through the whole season that are battling for the championship, not just when the playoffs hit or they have that one race. I yeah. guess you can argue that Truex and Logano had that scuffle, but... Like, Truex didn't really race Logano, like, even that hard in the championship race. Like, they yeah. very respectively, which... Um, There's nothing that seems to, like, carry on. Right. It's, like, right. little blips of rivalries of anger towards each other, and then it fades away. It's not, like, a long-term, sustained kind of rivalry. And I am always fascinated by Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon in the 90s, how that rivalry went. Like, the old guard versus the new guard. And... I w that Fox did documentary, but I wish there was more coverage on how that was because I bet that was fascinating. The fans were against each other. The that track, they were against each other. They were both super successful. And I believe their fan bases were probably at each other's throats just like Max and Lewis's fans are with F1 today. And like that is so good for a sport to capture people's attention and get them to pay attention. Could you imagine what the Dale and Jeff rivalry would have been if Twitter was a thing? Yeah. I could not imagine the fans going off already because you already see that with like Chase and Harvick, for example, but like yeah. Dale and Jeff, like when they're two top guys going for wins, like didn't they wreck each other at like North Wilkesboro or like Martinsville or something like one year? Great question. Not sure. I'd have to, I, it was in the, it was in the documentary they talked about, like okay. they had a big tussle, we'll have to watch that again. but um, yeah. anyways, they talked Here's, about that and just having something like that. So go on. Yeah. But. Here's my thing. I don't think it would be the same with Twitter today. Because I saw this point on Twitter too the last week that in today's world of social media and sponsors being so 
important and you don't want to make a sponsor mad, drivers shy away from controversy completely. They do not want to do anything that could be perceived as controversial. They want to stay a clean image, not get in any trouble, not get in any fights. They don't want to ruffle any feathers and they'd rather play it cool and not get mad than even risk ruffling feathers. I'm not saying every driver is like that, but I would say a majority of NASCAR drivers do not want to bring unnecessary attention onto themselves. When we've seen, you know, all publicity is good publicity in a sense. That's a very famous saying. Like if you create attention for yourself, people are going to pay attention more likely to gain fans and more likely to get attention and kind of have some great publicity for your actions on the track, good or bad. Like we should be unafraid to, Show people who you are, do what you think you need to do without being afraid of consequences. Like if they're bad consequences, yeah, maybe be afraid of them. But just to be afraid of getting attention brought onto yourself, I don't agree with that. But how much of them not wanting to show their personalities and wanting to create a little bit of drama is just them not being able to hide like they used to? Because yeah, look at the whole Jordan Bianchi thing with him trying to film Harvick and Chase. Like he's trying to film that. They're having their conversation. They're like a couple feet away. And they're trying to hash it out or whatever. And Chase clearly is annoyed by Jordan being right in his face and asked him to not. But how much of that do you think not having all this media and all this access and like having a camera on your phone and be able to tweet things instantly is yeah. affects Yeah, these... the instantaneity, if that's even a word. It's definitely not a word. Instant. Spontaneous. Well, I don't know. Spontaneous. I don't know. It's yeah. late. We're not thinking no. of English right no. now. But that is a great point that knowing that things can go out in an instant. Like back in the day, if there was a fight at the track and the TV broadcast had ended, it's the reporters. If they notice it, they're going to write it in their stories and the stories are going to come out the next day. And it's so much harder probably to find out stuff like that that happened. But now with social media and phones, like you could just capture anything at any time. And people are afraid of that because they're afraid it's going to be bad, a bad look on themselves. But if it's just controversy, that's what sports are all about. Like stuff happened like that. So um, that's some good points. Another really important thing Jeff Gluck said, he said the Sky Sports coverage that simulcast on ESPN for F1 treats viewers like adults. How do you feel about that statement? As a um, emerging adult, I appreciate that. Yeah. I think... It was more of a shot at Fox and NBC, but I do recall like my impressions of Fox's broadcast of the first half of the NASCAR season was try to make things funny and lighthearted and comedic. But I'm not looking for comedy when I turn into a sporting event. Like I want to watch the sporting event unfold. I want to hear what's happening. I want to hear analysis. I want to hear you know the description of what's going on. I'm not there to laugh. Like I don't think comedy bent to a broadcast makes more people want to watch i think it makes it harder to watch and harder to follow along with what's actually happening in the sporting event which the broadcast should be about makes me want to take the whole event less serious just based off of what people are commentating about it yeah and like clint boyer yes he's hilarious he's really funny but i think he can be funny without trying to be funny on the broadcast like he can say things that probably just come naturally to him without trying to make it funny so the treats like viewers like adults, I thought it was a very uh, important thing Jeff wrote. We don't need another Michael Waltrip up in the Fox side of the booth because Michael provides entertainment, but I don't want him, again, explaining things in very simple terms as if mm. they don't say it every single week. But 
NASCAR could learn a lot by watching the Sky Sports coverage and just trying to replicate it. Like, look what they do, try to replicate it. Um, Ben, you know I'm a Patriots fan, right? Mm, slightly. And you see the banner over my shoulder? Unfortunately. From Super Bowl 51. Yes. The greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. You're familiar with the storyline? Something to do with a 28 to 3 lead at halftime against oh, Atlanta. You're so, you're so, so smart. So, Jeff is discussing in his article now how the greater threat for NASCAR is F1 growing and becoming more prominent over time. And how NASCAR has been the powerhouse of motorsports in the U.S. for decades. Like, it's been unchallenged. But Jeff said, and I quote, F1 seems poised to challenge that should its current growth continue. And that's fairly shocking since in the contest of motorsports supremacy in this country, NASCAR once had a lead the size of the Atlanta Falcons margin in Super Bowl 51. They had a historic, unfathomable lead that no one expected to ever be undone, let alone the other side win. And that's what Jeff is saying NASCAR and F1 could be coming to, where NASCAR had this great, huge lead in the fan base in America, and now a Netflix show and a lot of great content and racing could elevate F1 to a level close to NASCAR and maybe ultimately surpass NASCAR. Like F1, can you imagine a day when F1 is bigger than NASCAR in the U.S.? Has a bigger following? I could... I don't know if I could um, unless NASCAR like super, super tanks and like shuts down or something. I think if F1 keeps growing, it'll be close. Like the viewer numbers were probably like half... F1 was maybe about half of what NASCAR had, but in a few years from now, if that race just keeps getting bigger, becomes such a scene and it's such an event, you never know what could happen. Maybe more so than Phoenix. Stay tuned to hear hear that discussion. I saw a thread about the at-track experience at Kansas from a fan that was there. And it's from, well... It's a kind of confusing Twitter name, but the name in you know listed is AKA Andrew. So this might person may be named Andrew, could be named someone else, who knows? So they went to Kansas and they were making notes about what, how the experience differed from the pre-COVID at track experience. And Dora Bumperclear covered this a lot this week. Some people were making comments about this on Twitter. This person's points were that the midway was nothing; it was very tiny, nothing there. Um, there was no buzz in the air. I think that's the biggest thing with sporting events. There's always a buzz. Like the f- idea that this unpredictable event's about to unfold, constant buzz. But to hear that there was not a buzz at a NASCAR race, I'm not initially surprised because I've kind of felt that in the last few years. But to hear other people say that is kind of alarming. And I would think NASCAR would want to um, address that. They said that the ARCA race and Xfinity race were both on Saturday. They were barely attended and visible disinterest in the ARCA race, which my point is like, I don't know what ARCA is doing anymore. Like what's the purpose? Cause it doesn't seem like very many people are interested in that series at all. And it's what's it doing? Like what's, uh, what's its purpose? People, this is a startling one. People were quiet, little cheering throughout the race. Like, can you imagine going to a NASCAR race and people not really cheering that much at all? That's like half the like, fun. I guess it, yeah, I guess if it's not your driver winning, you're not going to cheer. But like, even maybe driver intros or like if Chase Elliott takes the lead, you would just expect people to cheering. But here there was a little cheering in contrast to F1 when even though they weren't passing on track, but Max and Lewis were probably getting cheered louder than the audio of the broadcast, which we heard at times. Like the idea that people care more in that situation than at a NASCAR race in general is startling. 
Um, they this person made notes about the 550 horsepower package and how the cars look slow. Um, the restarts were fun, but then when no one could pass, it was kind of hard to watch. Not a surprise, but we're going to continue using that package next year with a new car. So I hope new car changes that. But at the same time, I'm afraid it's going to stay the same. So the at-track experience, I just think it's lacked a lot. And I don't think we can blame COVID much anymore because every other sporting event is back to kind of the way it was before. And I just think we need, and Kenny Walls tweeted about this, I freaking love NASCAR race day as a kid. I think you watched it too. Just the idea that they had this hype up TV show in the fan zone, fans around cheering, yelling, signs, college game day-esque, that kind of atmosphere. That gets you hyped up, whether you're at home, whether you're at the track. And not having that has been such a bloated NASCAR's midway and fan zone, I think, ever since it stopped, which I think has been like 2013. And everything's kind of declined since then. So you're like, I wonder if there's a correlation there. And then it went over to college football, and you see how big of a scene that is every time. Yeah. Like, even, I know NASCAR doesn't necessarily get, like, the spectacle of them, like, announcing, like, where it's going to be. But just having that consistently is something that fans can go up to and, like, make their signs. Like, I remember I still have, like, three signs in my room back home of, like, the Sunoco and, like, the Home Depot things that they, like, give you the marker. You can, like, Mm. say whatever you want on it or, like, people would make signs. Like, I miss that. That's, like... Like you just go there and they like throw out t-shirts and hats and like, you know, Home Depot buckets. Just hyped. And hype. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody wants to spend that money. And Brett made good points about that on DBC this week, how it's like sponsors a lot of time paid for that nap back in the day and no one's really willing to foot that bill. But I think it's worth it. If you're going to bring the fan zone back to life, that's what you got to have a stage like that. And SMI has tried with the trackside live stage, but, um, Kenny Wells tweeted this, that the people on that stage, they're just talking. They're not being real. They're not being honest about opinions of the sport, things that are happening. They're just kind of fluffing the NASCAR experience. And I think that's what the race day show didn't do. It didn't fluff. It talked real about what's really happening in NASCAR. I think that's what DBC does a lot. Like people want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear just a bunch of fluff and good things. Like tell, like, let's have some engaging conversation. So one of the most striking things I came across was the idea, and this is exactly what happened, that F1 didn't really change its racing. Like, its racing product has been the same. The rules are pretty much the same. They didn't put stages. They put playoffs in. They really kept their racing alone and racing alone. And their sport has grown. It's like, wow, how could that be? It's their marketing. They completely pivoted their marketing strategy, and it blew them up. Like, it it did so well, created so many new fans, hyped up the whole sport in America and NASCAR seems to take the opposite approach where they have been constantly trying to fix their racing to improve it, to do things differently. And at this point, I think we're too far down the road to like abandon the strategy of just leave it alone and work on marketing. I think you got to fix the racing now, but you also should pivot the marketing. Like that was a huge thing for F1. They changed how they went about marketing their product and it worked and it grew the sport without having to change anything about the sport. And them getting bought out by a American company mm. allowed them to focus efforts on co- bringing stuff to America. So I know yeah. it was it was I don't know you I don't think you were really around watching F1 by them, but they got bought out by Liberty Media, which is like an American based company. That, yeah. yeah, so that was pretty controversial at the time, but I think it's turning out pretty decent right now. Yeah, and so the idea that I talked about this earlier, F1 itself, the racing is not as interesting but people care more. It seems they care more and so much more invested. It's the off track 
building of those personalities and storylines. And it just seems like there's more storylines in F1 in general. Maybe it's just NASCAR is so cluttered and it's hard to like get big storylines to come across, but F1 just seems naturally inclined to produce storylines constantly. And I think if NASCAR had that, they could regain the big event feel, the hype before the race, the energy before the race, the enthusiasm in NASCAR. And that's the whole concept. And I think we'll kind of, we'll wrap it up with this, that the idea that there's lack of energy enthusiasm in NASCAR right now, and it used to not be that way. When I was a kid growing up, like, and even until, you know, mid to like this decade or mid last decade, there was energy, there was enthusiasm, there was excitement. There was this idea that something big was going to happen. A big event was happening. There was just a good feeling about the sport. And I think it's just completely been ripped away and it feels terrible that there isn't as much hype. There isn't as much interest. And I think with the, as the interest goes down, the lack of energy is, you know, a factor in that as well. And I just want that back. I think ultimately the people being critical of this just want NASCAR to succeed. They are not trying to shoot them down and keep them down. Like we want them to grow, but there's just so many areas I think that could be improved upon that could be bettered and study F1. F1 has freaking blown people away by what they have done to grow their sport in America. And I think NASCAR, they've taken a lot of the audience that could have been interested in NASCAR and maybe we can still capture them, but they're doing so many things right. And I just am so impressed on so many different levels. I agree. We just want stock car racing to maintain the American lead in motorsports. Am I right, Jason? Amen. So that's kind of a serious, that wasn't as, you know, a fun conversation, but that's just things I had to say. I've just been thinking about this stuff for weeks and I just wanted to say it, get it out there, get my thoughts out there. Maybe we can revisit this in five years and see what the uh, difference is. So going to Martinsville, we're not going to Martinsville, we're going to watch Martinsville and the playoff cutoff line is pretty close, which is exciting. Here's one more point about F1 versus NASCAR. I think Jeff said that NASCAR has to keep resetting its points to keep it close, to keep people interested. And versus F1 just kind of is, even if the F1 battle isn't close, I think people are still going to watch F1 because of the, what could happen in every race. Like I'm excited for Martinsville it is close points because of the resets. But at the same time, I think I would still be interested in Martinsville. Let me start over. At the same time, I'd still be interested in Martinsville regardless of the playoff situation. So if we had more short tracks in NASCAR in general, I think people would just be excited for the racing it produces versus needing to care about the point situations. Right. Um, I think too, like even with their with their regular points format, I think it still creates somewhat excitement, like you were saying. And I think the mid-pack battles are always kind of something interesting too of like what teams yeah. are on the rise, what teams are like down low. Like NASCAR, like, Hendrick is always going to be on top. Joe Gibbs, Penske, like RCR is kind of on the down low, but that's not something they like talk about. Like they don't say RCR's mid-pack team. They're like, oh, RCR was always so good at this, this and that. It's the three car. Yeah. Like front row motorsports is always going to stay kind of like mid-tier. Like you don't have that constant like up and down every year yeah. because the cars are Which is makes so. the whole field interesting versus just the top contenders, right. which I enjoy. Right. All right, so we'll end with this. Martinsville predictions. Kyle Larson locked into the Phoenix championship race. Like I said earlier, I think Martinsville is way more exciting than Phoenix will be, but we'll see if that comes to fruition. Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin look pretty strong that I'm going to keep them in my final four predictions for going to Phoenix after Martinsville. My last guy, this is so tough. I'm going to say it's Martin Drix Jr. gets that last spot because I think he's really good at Martinsville. And he's really good at this package this year. He's won four races. I think he'll be the guy that gets it done. And then I think he has a really good shot going Phoenix and being fucking good too. So 
that is my prediction, Ben. Who's your if you want to keep the other three? Who's your fourth? If not, who are your final four? Um, well, coming into this round, I had both Penske cars eliminated, which I think it they're gonna get, continue. Loser. I know. Horrible. Wrong. Horrible. Horrible guy. Um, I'm gonna stick with that trend, not just because I think that. I'm trying to keep my playoff bracket intact. I'd probably give it to Trex as well because I think that's also what I have in my playoff bracket. So because I because right now it's it's um it's a, a Larson Denny Chase fourth person right. Impressive. Well, yes. look at me go. You're so smart. Thank you. I kind of don't want to see Trex win because I'd like to, like a Blaney in the final four would be cool. Kyle Busch was always a big name to be in there. Um, Brad Kozlowski kind of to stick it to Penske that he's the one that makes the final four above their other two guys, even though he's leaving, that'd be funny. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. I hope we have some good short track racing. Remember when Denny made fun of, uh, Joey Logano? Ah, you know, it's just short track racing. Yeah. So I don't know. I want some storylines. Eflin blew me away in Austin. It continues to blow me away in every area of its series. And I want NASCAR to do the same thing. So if we have two kick-ass races at the end of the year, I think that would be some good momentum heading into the new year, new season. Great way to kick off things in LA. Yes. Follow me on Twitter at HeyJasonSchultz. I'm going to try not to talk about F1 every single day, but you know, no promises there. Ben, where can they follow you? They can follow me at Neb underscore Notlaw. It's Ben Walton backwards. Smart. Underscore. Brilliant. So, Brilliant. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Ben's going to Western Kentucky this weekend for a football game, so he's going to have a thrilling Saturday afternoon. Bowling Green, Kentucky. Exciting. Yeah, Very can't exciting. wait. Can't wait. I'm going to sit on my couch, watch the Martinsville races. May have a beverage or two. You can't. You're not 21 yet, but... Nope. We, it's counting down, though. Yes. You will turn 21 before the next NASCAR season, so that's all that matters. Next year, you can do that with us. Thank God, because hopefully if the season does not go well then i yeah. have something to at least get me through. if the next gen Legal. car implodes we will have drinking that's what everyone's motto should be heading into the uh, next season absolutely at least there's alcohol okay thanks for joining me ben andrew might be back next week you never know we'll have to go find him we'll have to send out a search and rescue team in arizona locate him bring him back to the podcast sounds good to me all right we'll get on that peace okay talk to everybody next week After Martinsville, see ya.